Welcome to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. May the Word of God be a blessing to you. Connect with us and consider giving online at lifespringchurch.us. The last several Sundays, the last few Sundays, we've been talking about stewardship and what does the Bible mean when it says stewardship and what is this, the principles and the ideas surrounding being a faithful steward of God's things and steward of the kingdom of God. The first Sunday of February, we just answered that question. What is stewardship? Anybody remember the three principles that go along with stewardship? The principle of accountability, that's one of them. That's the second principle. What's the first principle? The principle of ownership. Oh, it's starting to stick. I'm getting excited. The principle of ownership. God owns everything. And he entrusts us to be a steward of the things that he owns. The things that are in my life are all in my life simply because God gave them to me. And God gave them to me because he trusts me to be a good steward, a manager of those things he's given to us. So God owns everything. And then there's the principle of accountability which says he didn't just give it to me for me to spoil it and use it for my own good. But he gave it to me and he, get, he set an accountability that I would then use it for his purpose. Everything I have should be used for the purpose of God, that he would receive glory and honor. And then the third principle is the principle of reward. I heard someone say it. Yes, the principle of reward. If we are faithful in our stewardship, faithful in being a manager of what God has given to us, and we are accountable to him, then he promises us great reward for that faithfulness and then being a steward of what God has given us. Two Sundays ago, we talked about tithing. What is tithing? Is that in the Bible? It is in the Bible. Tithing is giving God the first 10% of our increase. It is our personal partnership with God. It's a covenant relationship between us and God. It's prescribed in Scripture. It's not left up for question or left up for personal interpretation the bible makes it very clear even at the beginning the first thing that god told adam was that he was to be a steward and adam taught his children to be stewards and they brought of the first of the that they had and offered it to god abraham brought the first tenth and gave it to god jacob gave a tithe unto god and so even before moses he was on the scene and moses's law came to play God had already established a principle with humanity that he likes first, and particularly he likes the first tenth of our increase. This is tithing, our partnership with God. Last Sunday, we talked about offerings. Offerings is our partnership with the church. It's our partnership with the church. When we are faithful in giving of our tithes and our offerings, we open the windows of heaven and allow God to speak and move freely in our lives. Money is spiritual. We have three theological books in our lives. We have the Bible, which teaches us theology. Then we have two reports in our life that tell how well we believe our theology. One of them is our calendar, which is the resource of time. And how do we spend our time towards God? Are we a good steward of our time Towards God, and the other is, well, it's an old-fashioned book. You may have it in the drawer. It's dusty. It's called a check register. 
Do they still send those out with checks? It's been so long since I ordered checks. It's an accountability tool that you write down where you spend your money. I have to explain what a check registry is. What kind of a world do we live in? It lets God know where we use our resources. It, it's, a, it's a report of our theology. Today is Commitment Sunday. and So we're going to wrap up Stewardship Month of February. We're going to close out today's service with our stewardship commitments. I have some stewardship cards I've given to Trent, and I'm going to ask him to go ahead and hand those out, and you can be prayerful over those as you have been this week and do the remainder of the lesson today. And at the end of service, we will complete or bring our commitment cards forward. And we'll lay them on the altar as a commitment between us and the Lord during our time today. I do want to begin with a verse of Scripture in the book of Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 12, it says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is in unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon or money, who will commit to you trust the true riches? If you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? The Lord was kind of laying it on the line in this lesson he was teaching to the multitudes. You can be seated today. A man came to the his pastor one time and he said, Pastor, uh, my family is really struggling and we want, to, we want to be a financial blessing to the Lord, but I just barely have enough, barely have enough income to give $4 in tithes every week. I'm just barely scraping by and bringing in 40 bucks a week. I just barely, our family just can't exist and it's very difficult. We need the Lord to bless our lives. That's what the pastor said. I tell you what, I want you to begin to uh, work on your skills and your abilities. I want you to hone them, and I want you to pray that God will open doors of opportunity for you. And then I'm going to pray also that God will open doors of opportunity and bless you. And it wasn't very long before the man was faithful in his, his $4 of tithing and a little bit in offerings. And he was working on his skills, and God began to open doors. And before long, just a few years this man became very, very wealthy. The pastor was looking over the, the giving of the church and planning, and he noticed that this individual had pretty much stopped giving it all to the church. And so he thought, you know, I'm going to have to have a conversation with them. It's kind of part of being a member of our church. They made a commitment, so I just need to see what's going on, see what's, what the story is. And so he, he met with this man, and they went out to lunch, and as they were sitting there, the pastor goes, I know these aren't easy conversations, but I just want to have a conversation with you. I know that over the last few years, we've been praying that God would open the doors for you and would bless you and would, would prosper you, and, and we see that God has done that, but, but I notice that your giving, your stewardship at the church is, has really dwindled, like down to nothing. The man says, Pastor, I know it's, 
I just make so much money right now and I'm so involved with everything and everything costs so much in, in the business that I'm running and, and I have to put so much money and capital into what I'm doing that there's just no money left over for us to, to give. And, and, and Pastor, I've been meaning to talk to you and I just was wondering if maybe, maybe just for a little while or, or, or maybe, maybe just can my family just be released from the obligation of, of tithing and offerings? And the pastor's like, no, I can't change God's word. That's... It's God's word. I can't change it. But there is something I can do for you. I think it will be helpful. I'm going to pray that God makes it back to where you're earning $40 a week. That way you'll be able to pay your tithes of $4. What a sobering thought. It goes along with the passage that we read today where he that is faithful in the least is also faithful in the much. He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If God can trust us with a little bit, then God knows he can trust us with more. If I am committed in the little bit, then God will know and can trust me to be committed in the more. Let's explore the idea today, empowered by commitment. Have you heard the story of the, the hen and the hog? A hen and a hog were walking down the road together one day, and they came past a, a church orphanage sign. And the sign on the church orphanage says, Help the needy. Well, the hen and the hog stopped and began to look at each other, and the hen said, Well, I got a great idea. How about we provide eggs and ham for them for breakfast? The hog, horrified, exclaims, that's a terrible idea. For you, it's only a contribution. For me, it's total commitment. There's a significant difference between someone who just contributes and someone who is committed. Commitment takes stewardship to another level. It also brings the blessings of God to another level. Stewardship is taking the resources that God has blessed us with, and we use those resources for God's purpose. The committed stewards are willing to put all on the line. They're willing to make sacrifice. They're willing to go over and above in order to see God's kingdom empowered here on the earth. No matter the quantity, God blesses when the committed steward gives all that God has asked of them to give. God doesn't count the offering. Really? No, God doesn't count the offering. God's not interested in how many commas are in the offering. God doesn't worry about the denominations that are placed in the offering or how big the check is that's placed in the offering or how many digits you have to type on your keyboard when you're putting your offering in online. God's not concerned about those things. God looks beyond the quantity. God looks at the heart, at the commitment of the giver. Maybe you've been like me and we've tried to negotiate with God before. Or maybe we've negotiated with God and we didn't even really realize we were negotiating with God. Lord, you know this time commitment interferes 
with what I'm trying to do. Or, Lord, it's just for a short period. I'm just going to commit myself. I'm going to quit my prayer and Bible reading for just a little while, Lord. It's just going to be short term so that I can go be involved in this other thing. I'll be right back, Lord. Same principles apply more than just our finances, but applies to our talents and our treasures. Have we negotiated ourselves out of commitment and then justified our actions because we've become a contributor? Sometimes we have to reevaluate our lives and make sure that we have not slid into contribution mode and forgiven or forgotten, excuse me, that we are committed to the Lord Jesus Christ in all that we do. God is a God of covenant. He's interested in the commitment of our lives more than the contribution of our lives. And I think, I think this is proven to us in, in Jesus' example that he gives to us in Mark chapter 12, verses tw- uh, 41 through 44. And Jesus said over against the treasury... And beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. Just stop and think about that for a second. How would you feel if you went to church and someone was just watching everybody give in the offering? Hmm. Oh, okay. Oh. Ooh. Jesus did it. And many they were rich, cast in much. When there came a certain poor widow, verse 42, and she threw in two mites, which maketh a farling, and he called unto his disciples and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For they did all cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in that she had even all her living. There are times that God calls us to make extreme sacrifice. But God has an expectation on us that we would be faithful stewards to Him. God doesn't necessarily need our money. He just wants us to use our money to demonstrate our commitment to Him. Stewardship is more than paper bills and metallic coins. And I believe with my heart, everything that's in me, that LifeSpring Church is God's will for our community. And if it's God's will, then God will cover the bill. God knows how to pay his bills. The money and the minutes that we spend isn't what stewardship is about. Stewardship is about the heart. And the heart is where true commitments are made. You fall in love with somebody, which is a misnomer. You don't fall in love. You don't ever trip and just hit your head and oh I'm in love (laughs) we probably stumble into infatuation and if we're faithful to the relationship we grow into love but this phrase is you fall in love you don't ever make a commitment to somebody without your heart being in it You're with this individual that you think you're just head over heels for and, and 
There's really no emotion in it. You just like that they dress nice and that they look nice. And you're, you're not committed to the external. You're not committed to what they're giving or what they're offering. This young man takes you out to a nice dinner and, and sets the table and it's all beautiful and it's all ritzy and it's all this fantastic little outing. And you don't say, well, just because of this experience, I'm going to be in love with this person. No, you make a love commitment based upon how you feel in your heart. You may go to the nicest dinner and they may be the nicest looking person and they may have the nicest appearance and presentation of themselves. But if there's something in your heart that doesn't click, you're like, well, I'm done with that. This is a demonstration that God's not so much interested on the external. He's more interested on the internal. He's looking at our heart. This is why when we give an offering, he says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's why he says... He wants us to be a cheerful giver. How much should I give in offerings? I think the answer to how much should I give in an offering last week was give enough that you can be happy about it. Psalm 78 and 37 says, For their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. The principle that we're talking about today is your heart drives your commitments. Your heart speaks of your covenants. And commitment empowers the work of God. Let's make it applicable to us today. Not just talking theory or principle. But a church budget can't be set based on contributions. A church budget is established by commitments. That's why we have Commitment Sunday. Our church involvement in our community can't be planned based upon people who are willing to contribute time. It has to be based upon people who are committed with their time. Our worship experience, teaching, preaching, nursery, Sunday school classes, they all struggle growing into greatness when people only are contributors of their gifts and talents. But greatness comes through commitment when people are committed. So, with that said, I want to say thank you. Thank you to each one who's been faithful in your commitments. It's been a while since we've done this series. This isn't every Sunday. We don't talk about money every Sunday. Matter of fact, money is talked about on a couple Sundays in February is normally how we do it. It's just this year we've taken a little bit of a deeper dive. It's been a few years since we've done this deeper dive. And year after year after year, there are those who have been faithful in their commitments and they continue to be faithful in their commitments. And you are those who, through faithful stewardship, help empower the existence of LifeSpring Church. So thank you. Thank you for being faithful stewards. You've empowered us to be where we are today. And you're empowering us to go to where we want to go. You're helping fund the vision that God wants to do through LifeSpring Church. Not just through money, but you've also given time and talent. Your contributions, or excuse me, your commitments are invaluable. There are others who make contributions. And I'm not belittling contributions. Every gift makes a difference. Contributions have value. Your contributions make ministry possible. 
There are times that contributions are unexpected and they help push us over a hump and God uses them for a reason, as a resource reason and we're excited for those. But I would ask if you've just been a contributor, would you be willing to take the next step of faith and turn your contribution into a commitment? You see, commitments are priority decisions. A commitment says, I consciously and with intent set God first in my time, talent, and treasures. We're doing something different this year than we've ever done before. And I hope you came prepared today. The last few Sundays we've talked about Demonstration Sunday. So yes, today is Commitment Sunday, but we're also having a demonstration today. We're believing that when we work together and we're obedient to Scripture, unified together, that God will respond. We are going to demonstrate. That's not the right way of saying that. We are going to be obedient to the Word of God, and God is going to demonstrate His faithfulness to us. So the request has been that we would all gather here this Sunday, and of course we're going to fill out our commitment cards, and we'll bring those forward. And if you haven't placed your offering or your tithe in the, the offering pan, you can bring that forward as well here in the end of service today. But we're committed today to give one week's tithe to see how God responds to us for being faithful to him. It's a commitment. Mark 12 and 29 says, And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. God is the first commandment. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you. Here's why I set God as a priority in my life. Because he's already set me as a priority in his plan. And not me only, but he set you individually as a priority in his plan. Commitments are two-way covenants. God's not asking us to make a commitment to him, and then he's just going to leave us out to dry. Matter of fact, sometimes we, get, we come in the, to, to teaching lessons like this, and, and we get the idea that we are making the first step of commitment, and we're going to wait and see how God's going to respond with his promise. But really... He's already made the first step. You see, John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world that he gave. He's already given. He's already reached into heaven's resources, pulled out the best that he possibly could bring out of the heavens himself, and given it to us. God manifested in flesh, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but can have everlasting life. My commitments back to God, whether it's my time, my talent, or my treasure, in any regard is just a response to God's love that he's already showed towards me. Like how much did God love us? Like enough to leave perfection and come and live in imperfection. Enough to leave the holiest of all places and come live among a place that he had cursed because of unholiness. 
He left incorruption to become corruptible. Those are Bible words. He left a place of no sin to come and live among sinners. He left a place where he was day and night, 24 hours, nonstop, which these are all human words. There's no 24 hours, day or night in heaven. But on end, eternally, worshipped and praised so that he could be lied upon, falsely accused, whipped, beaten, a crown of thorns thrust upon his head, mocked in the streets, ridiculed and belittled, hung on a cross and displayed for all of humanity to see. How much did God love us? He loved us enough that he was willing to go to a garden and pray a prayer. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. He made the first commitment. His commitment was that he established the gospel for us. He established a way for us to be reunited with him. That was his first action and commitment to us. What is the gospel? The gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died for us. How do I respond to the, the gospel, the part of the gospel where Jesus died? I respond by dying myself. Not physically dying, but I die out to my sins. I die out to my old life. I die out to those things which cause me trouble and turmoil. I die out to my bad habits and my hang-ups and my hurts. I go to an altar. I go to a place of repentance. And repentance is two parts. Lord, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my disobedience to your word. And Lord, I make a commitment in my heart to walk towards you. I'll turn away from the darkness of this life. And I'll turn towards the light of your truth. And I will follow after you. This is death in our lives. After death, there's burial. And as you know, Jesus was taken off of the cross, placed in a borrowed tomb. Negotiations were going on behind the scenes to make sure that nobody could come and steal him because he had prophesied already about three days he would rebuild this temple. And Romans teaches us that we too are buried. Thankfully, we're not buried in the ground. We're not placed in a cave with a rock rolled in front of it. But we're simply buried in the waters of baptism. Just like Jesus went into the ground, we go into the water. And this water baptism is the burying of our old life. It's the burying of our old habits and our old intentions and our old thoughts and our old commitments. It's, it's a severing of our old past. We're buried in the name of Jesus Christ because the Bible says that's the remission of our sins. Through his name, our sins are remitted and taken away. We are as pure and as clean before God. Well, he takes a black heart, washes it with his red blood, and makes it white as snow. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. And then we rise in a newness of life. We are filled with His Spirit. Just as Jesus Christ, by the power of God, resurrected from the grave, so we resurrect into a new person by the infilling of the Holy Ghost. John told Nicodemus, you must be born again of water and of spirit. 
our water birth is the grave. We come out of the water a new creature in Christ. Our spiritual birth is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Like in the book of Acts, it was evidenced by speaking in tongues. This is the infilling of God's Spirit. This revival isn't just something in the book of Acts that happened all throughout time. There's been times and seasons where it's been very elevated and, and in public and seen. In the early 1900s, we had the Azusa revival. We had the Topeka revival. We had all these mighty outpourings of the Holy Spirit. There's been the Wells revival, the Welsh revival. There's been all the revivals across the sea, and it seems even now in the hour that we're living, there's a hunger among college students, and they're experiencing the same thing happening in them. To what magnitude it is, we'll let God decide. But I rejoice that people are hungry for God. This is the first and the greatest commitment ever made. God committing himself to us. And so then I commit back to him because I make a priority. God, you made a priority in the garden. I'm going to make a priority decision at my altar to serve you with my time, my talent, and my treasure. He chose to give when he could have retained. He chose to love when he could have judged. He chose to forgive when he could have condemned. He chose to have mercy when he could have called for justice. He made the first and the greatest commitment to us. He gave and in his giving, he empowered all of us to be victorious over sin. So what is commitment? Commitment is self-control. Ouch. You thought preaching on commitment was difficult. Pastor just took it to a whole new level. This is the part of living for God that, that sometimes gets really uh, rubber meets the roadish. Because like we said earlier today, we all love to come and feel the presence of God sweep over us. We all like to be in an atmosphere of worship and praise. And that's fantastic. That's great. But that's like eating M&M's. It's a sugar rush. Give it a couple hours. Life will be real again. Those are oases. Those are moments. Those are times that we enjoy and we should participate in. But living for God is commitment. Commitment, self-control. Self-control that says... I once was addicted to that, and that addiction led me to a habit. But I have self-control over my habit because I no longer have to have that. God broke my addiction. Self-control says, I used to look at that or watch that or participate in that, but it was unholy and, un and unwholesome, and so I choose to self-control and, and, and not watch that or see that into my eye anymore. You thought we was talking about money all day, didn't you? Commitment is self-control that says, when I don't feel like it, I will. And when I do feel like it, I won't. Wherever the situation fits. When I don't feel like doing what's righteous, I will. 
And when I feel like doing what's unrighteous, I won't. When the world pulls at me and my old life tries to rear its head back up and, and pull me down, commitment is self-control that says, I'll not walk that direction any longer because I made a commitment and an altar to God. And I've made a commitment to myself. I'll not live that life. And that's what stewardship is. Stewardship is just simply saying, God, I believe you own everything. You've asked me to be accountable for how I steward it. And I make a commitment that I will steward it for your purpose and for your kingdom. So, commitment says, when the opportunity comes to spend your money, we always ask, does this impede, does this interfere with my financial commitment to God? And then I choose to have self-control and maintain the boundary around that which I've already committed to God. First commitment is saying to the person in the mirror, you will or you won't. And secondly, commitment and self-control is the person in the mirror being obedient to the commitment. Are we all still okay? Turn the lights up a little bit. I don't want to see the frowns. No. I see smiles. We're all good. We're excited today that Trinity come to service today. She's made a commitment to, to be baptized, and we're going to do that at the end of service. She's going to return the commitment that God made for her on the cross. She's making a commitment to give her life to serve him. I'm excited about it. And so we're going to do that at the closing of service today. But here in just a few minutes, we're all going to come forward with our stewardship commitment cards. What is commitment? Commitment is faith in action. And that's what we've been talking about, faith. Faith is I believe it enough that I'm going to do it. Commitment is saying, I believe God will keep his promises, so I'll do my part. If God promised that he would give you his best, if you would just give him a tenth, would you be willing to do that? Absolutely. And God has promised he would do that. Commitment is saying my faith is stronger than my doubts or my fears. Commitment is saying who I believe in and what I believe in is bigger than myself because commitment is faith in action. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So what is it we hope for? As a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, one of the first things that we hope for is salvation. And I hope for it to the extent that I'm obedient to the gospel. I have faith in it. Because only God can save us. 
Only God can fulfill the promises of Scripture. Only God can fulfill the hope of filling us with His Spirit, opening the windows of heaven, giving us peace, joy. Our hope, our salvation, the promises of God are not placed in people, systems, or enterprises of this world, but our faith is in the unfailing God. Amen? The promises of financial stewardship are very plain in Scripture. Let's review them in closing this morning. First, let's look at the promise from God regarding tithing. Tithing. Malachi 3, 10 through 12. He says... Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now there herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. Pause, 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 pause. God just said through his word, prove me. Prove me. Bring ye all the tithes in the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And that's where we stop reading. I'm going to pay my tithes, and God's going to open the windows of heaven, and he's going to pour out all these blessings on my life. And I'm going to have financial blessing, and I'm going to have his hand working and moving in my life. And yes, that's true. But wait until you get to the next verse about what goes along with our tithing. You ready? Verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord. God says, everything you're working on that's reproducing, I'll stop the devourer from getting on it. Does it feel like you're working and working and working and it seems like you're making no progress? There's no reproduction in what you're doing. The seeds that you've planted haven't produced anything. It's because the devourer has come. And God says, if you're faithful in your tithing, not only will I open the windows and bless you, I'll stop the devourer from getting in your field. today is Demonstration Sunday. I've never done this before. I was just reading through this, this series of lessons and as I was reading through it I just felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to follow this idea of doing a Demonstration Sunday. Because if God's promises are true and they are true, then He'll be faithful to us. Matter of fact, I want you to call me in the next week or month few weeks and share the report of how God has been faithful to his promise in your life there may be some things you've been anticipating in your life that God's going to say alright I'm going to push the balance over just a little bit further in your favor amen Anybody ever been to church that had a demonstration Sunday and asked everybody to pay tithe? Me neither. 
Messiah walking down the road and he grabbed a couple of mud balls and splattered them in the guy's eyes and said, go wash and he was healed and able to see. No, that had never happened before either. We're just following what the Lord speaks to us. So we're in unity and we have faith and we're giving one week's tithe, believing that God was going to demonstrate his promise to us. Malachi, God said, prove me. Paul, in his writings to the church, said he didn't come with enticing words, but he came with a demonstration. No, this is not a this is not a, a loud, fire raging apostolic, screaming, hollering, moving of Spirit of God type demonstration today. This is not Elijah offering fire without fire demonstration. This is different. This is the foundational demonstration of God in our lives. So I ask you to participate today in demonstration Sunday. I got my tithes. I don't get paid weekly, so we went in and we did the math. We figured it out. This is one week's worth of tithes. Let's check in here. I'm going to give one week's worth of tithes and we'll see what God does. Amen. We believe his hand is going to move on us. If you participate in today's demonstration Sunday and tithe, God will open the heavens and you will see his promise come true. This is the promise of tithing. is the promise of offering. I love the promise of offering. We've just been talking about tithe. We haven't even got to offerings yet. This is the promise of tithing so far. Now let's talk about the promise of offerings. Luke 6 and 38. Give and it shall be given unto you good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that ye met with all, it shall be measured to you again. Here's what God says. Offerings are stewardship over and above our tithe. It's demonstrating our partnership with the church, with LifeSpring Church. And your partnership is what pays the bills, buys the literature, all these things that help us to operate. And when you partner with the church through offerings, here's what God says. God says he's going to take the measuring cup that you're using Grab you a big one. He's going to fill it. Then he's going to press it down. And then he's going to heap it up until it's running over. And then he will cause men to give back to you. He will cause you to be blessed in this life with the same measuring cup except running over that you use. Thank you for listening to the LifeSpring Church podcast. Join us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit us online at lifespringchurch.us.